On this week's Dose, we have Michael Mara, CEO and founder of Entra, a professional network for the next generation of entrepreneurs to connect, learn, and build. Right. And in the interview, you'll hear about Michael's early career and the journey that led him to starting a community for entrepreneurs and how he differentiates Entra from the existing communities and platforms out there. Yeah, a lot of competition out there, mm -hmm. but uh, that's never going to stop Michael. He also breaks down some of the challenges he's faced over the years of uh, building the company, in addition to the four areas of business that he focuses on mastering to stay ahead of the game. Right, the four pillars, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then stick with us as Michael provides a glimpse into the future for Entra, tells us about his fundraising plans, some exciting stuff on the horizon, and also discusses his mindset as a founder. We got, we got a little philosophical. A little with philosophical this out there, yeah. <laughs> you, you sprinkled that in there at the end. I loved it. Um, another truly energizing interview in person here today with Michael mm -hmm. um, to share with all you pilgrims. So with that, here's our conversation with him. We hope you enjoy it. The views, statements, and opinions expressed herein by the hosts and their guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast should not be construed as reflecting the views or implied endorsement of Independent Brokered Solutions, LLC, or any of its officers, employees, or agents. The statements made herein should not be considered an investment opinion, advice, or recommendation regarding securities of any company. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes and is not to be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy a security. This is Venture Pill, your weekly dose of startups and venture capital. We break down recent startups in the news and interview founders and investors to help you stay informed in the evolving world of venture. All right, we welcome on Michael Mara, CEO and founder of Entra, uh, to the to the pill, uh, a friend of a, a longtime pilgrim, Sully. Uh, so certainly a mutual connection there. How's it going today, Michael? It's going great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no, we we got a lot to dive into. You're big in the world of entrepreneurship, and you know we'll certainly get into what Entra does, but. You know, were you always plugged in like you are today? You know, clearly being a social network for people in the space. Walk us through kind of your early career leading up to starting Entra. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, appreciate you guys for having me on, first off. But uh, yeah, I, I used to be a civil engineer. Like, that's what I went to school for and everything. And, um, you know, I did that for about six months after I graduated. And I was like, I, I need to get into something else. Yeah. Um, and I want to kind of do my own thing in some sense. Mm -hmm. um, I first got into like, I really wanted to just like be an investor. So, um, and not like venture capital. Like mm -hmm. I didn't even know what venture capital was mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah. I was like, you know, messing around with stocks and then I wanted to get into real estate. So I end up like leaving my job moving to Miami and basically starting a real estate company with one of my mentors. And we were doing like, you know, residential wholesaling, foreclosure auction, Airbnb rentals, all okay. of that. Wow. And so when, when about was this like 2020? No, this was, I left my job in 2015. Okay. Yeah. I'm a lot older than that. <laughs> but yeah, so I left my job in 2015 uh, last year was actually the first year since that I had like an actual like pay.
paycheck, like was on salary. (laughs) Um, Basically, you know, I was just, you know, bootstrapping, making money from real estate. And then after real estate, kind of, I, after about a year of that, like 2016, I was in Miami and very similar like a uh, situation where I was like, I need to kind of do something different hmm. where I was like, if I stay in this longer, it's like cool. And yes, I can make money in it, but it's not innovative. I'm not like real estate's not very creative. It's right. not tech. It's not to me. It got boring. Mm-hmm. It was like the same thing over and over again. And I'm the type of person who needs to like do something different all the time. Right. Mm. So uh, I wanted to get into tech ended up moving back to Pittsburgh and starting to basically build out this community for entrepreneurs because I wanted to just meet other entrepreneurs and I didn't know who, where they were, how to find them. I was looking online, but there really wasn't much. So I start this community and I start doing events and then that's when it all kind of snowballed into, into this. That's awesome. A lot, a lot to resonate with there. <laughs> uh, definitely agree with you that variety is the spice of life in terms of in terms of working. And I kind of have a similar story of not knowing too much about venture capital, outside of watching Shark Tank, obviously when I was growing up, which was always awesome. Yeah. Uh, but eventually figured out, learned learned a little bit more about it, and got hooked myself as well. And yeah. And Venture Pill and working for Alumni Ventures, uh, would love to hear what what. What did you feel was missing from the other existing communities for entrepreneurs? Like, for instance, there's LinkedIn, there are other social networks out there. So what does Entre kind of do to differentiate from the pack? And yeah. kind of just how did you land on that? Sure, yeah. I mean, I'll well, taking us back to like 2017, really, when I was starting to build out this community, it started initially from a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And it was called Millennial Entrepreneur Group. <laughs> yeah. And and that was like what I started it with. And like Discord wasn't really a thing yet. Like Slack communities weren't really a thing. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't really there was no like Mighty Network circle. There was some of that, but it wasn't like good at all. Mm-hmm. And no one knew of any of these like platforms. Um so it was really I was just rocking with Facebook group and an Instagram page. And the craziest thing, I mean, Instagram was just crushing it. Like mm-hmm. it was yeah. like I was just DMing anyone that had entrepreneur in their bio. And I was like, hey, do you want to join my community of entrepreneurs? And like everyone was like, yeah, sure. I was like, yeah. cool. That's awesome. Here's the link. You know, it was just <laughs> like, so I was like, okay, well, there's definitely something here. <laughs> right. And then I started doing events and I started uh, doing them at co working spaces and ended up partnering with like, you know, we work in spaces and all the mm. big co working spaces. And, they introduced me to the other locations in New York. And then that's when I started like really expanding mm-hmm. um, and really started like doing bigger partnerships. Like we were doing three events a month at Microsoft's headquarters in New York. Wow. Oh, wow. And then ended up throwing out a whole like events team. And we were doing like, you know, seven, 10 events a month across 12 cities. Wow. And um, we were using that as like, hey, this is our proof of concept. It's like, there's, all these entrepreneurs or people interested in entrepreneurship in all these different cities and they're willing to physically come out to events every month to just network and meet people and learn and whatever. And it's like, okay, like let's just, you know, do the sim- very similar thing, but let's digitize this mm-hmm. and make it so it's accessible to anyone's phone. 
And um, that was like how we you know, brought on our first couple investors. And then we started building out the app because I was like, to do what I want to do, you can't like, you can't really do it well with like Facebook groups or Slack or Discord or whatever else. So you kind of, ha- you need custom features. And my view was that there's enough people interested in entrepreneurship and tech and freelancing or being their own boss in one way or another. And that that was rising and the corporate world was was slowing down. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of young people, right, millennials and now Gen Z, they don't really fit with like the brand of LinkedIn. Like a lot of them make fun of LinkedIn, mm-hmm. right? And, and maybe they'll use it to try to find a job or whatever, but they're not going to like network on there, meet people on there. Some people will post content on there, but it's not really built for them. It was never, that was never really the thing. So we want this to be a place where it's like, it's younger, it's cooler, it's community focused, it's event focused. It's like for entrepreneurs, like let's help you make money. Let's help you be your own boss. Let's Mm -hmm. help connect you with the other people that you want to. Um, and that, that's been the whole kind of vibe since, uh, you know, since we got rolling and then building out an app was, it's, that's a whole another challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's what we've been on for the last like three years is just like build, how do we build the best like product to compete with these companies? Cause they're, you know, huge and people, they have millions of users that use it every day and that are addicted to it. Mm. Basically it's like, how do you get people off of LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and discord and Slack and zoom? And it's like, you're not because you're not just competing with one of them. Yeah, yeah. You're you're competing for attention, so you have to, you're competing with everything. So right. it's like if they're spending less time on any given platform, then you know that's that's time, or if they're spending more time on your platform, that's less time on the others. Yeah. So it, your app has to be as valuable, if not more to replace their existing apps that they use every day. It's it's a constant battle for <laughs> attention, yeah. right? That's the most Exactly, yeah. Most exactly. most scarce resource, yeah. you know, 100%. today, right? Yeah. yeah. No, it's did I did I see that y'all recently reached 80,000 users? Yeah, did yeah, I see we, that today. We crossed 80,000. Uh, well, I posted we we crossed it last week, but yeah, I posted wow. it Huge on congrats. LinkedIn like yeah. yesterday or something. Let's go. Yeah. That's no joke. Yeah. Um, I wanted to dig into a couple things there on, on building the app specifically. How did you, like, were you actually getting into the building of it or did you have to network with some, maybe you networked with some technical co-founders? Like, who who built it? How challenging was that? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's extremely challenging, right? As I'm non-technical, um, I built out all the initial, like, designs and prototype and all of that. And then I just hired someone initially because it was it was really difficult for me to find a cto mm-hmm. um and like there was there was some people but they weren't like the right fit that would, mm-hmm. like yeah you gotta that person has to be like you have to make sure that they're like in it number for the long haul number one but also skilled because there's a lot of developers out there and there's a lot of shitty ones too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've I've had my fair share of dealing with both sides of the mm-hmm. table. Um, but yeah, initially I basically built out all the designs and prototype myself, and then I was essentially going around 
at my events and like, Hey, here's the app that I'm like building, you know what I mean? And yeah. talking to investors and stuff. And it's like, Hey, it's going to do this and we're going to do this. And I basically just hired like a freelance developer to build me a front end with all dummy data hmm. and then got that on test flight. So it looked real. Like it was an app on my phone, right? right? All the data was fake, but it was like <laughs> enough to like show, show people yeah. and I could demo it way easier. Hmm. Um, so that helped a lot get that first like 150 K and, um, yeah, it was from investors that I met through, through our events and stuff. And that was like the first step of like, okay, now we have some money to actually like pay developers. Mm -hmm. And we started building out the mobile app first. Uh, we did react native, so you can do iOS and Android at the same time, mm -hmm. essentially. Um, and we, we rocked that. And we rolled that out in 2020, um, and then we rolled out web in 2021, and then last year was the year that we kind of focused on a lot of the Web3 integrations, and then just like scaling up the platform and making it way better. And now communities is like the new thing this year. But it's been like, you know, three plus years yeah. <laughs> of just like building the app every day. Yeah. So. Did you essentially get in touch with entrepreneurs and investors at an Entra style event? Yeah. So my first investor, he came to probably like the third or fourth event mm. wow. um, that we did in Pittsburgh. And then the other investor I met, we we had like a booth or something at like Collision um, in Toronto mm -hmm. um, and met him there. And he ended up he went to Dayton where I went to college. Mm. And so he like, you know, loved that, yeah. loved what we were doing. Um, and he invested as well. And that was like, we just had two angel investors. Um, and I probably should have raised a little bit more money in hindsight, like right then. Cause one of the biggest things that I've learned about raising capital is like, once you have the hardest part is getting the first investor, right? Getting just like a leader, you know, even if you're doing an angel route, even just getting like one angel investor or two angel investors, mm -hmm. and then you just go to the other investors and say you've already raised, it helps so much more. Yeah, totally. Um, if you are going in cold with like, hey, we don't have any, we don't have no commitments, mm -hmm. no one's really interested, like that's not, it's, it's a harder sell. So the hardest thing is just getting the first couple and then you can raise more, but I just, I had no idea what I was doing. So I was like, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it worked out and then, you know, use that, raise a little bit more. Um, and then we just, last year we did like a, our seed round. So okay. it's been like a slow progression, you know, and then now it's like foot on the gas basically. Yeah. How, how did that coincide with your move to Austin? So now you've been here for a couple of years. What was the thinking there? Like, were you thinking this is where Entra's home needs to be? Like, is it kind of the center of the country, new startup kind of ecosystem growing? Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Austin has a ton of potential. I think Austin's like probably at least a top five city for just like growth, tech, business, like cool stuff happening. Um, if not even top two, right? Um, so I look at like, okay, where are, where are, where's the next generation of like tech professionals and entrepreneurs going to want to be mm -hmm. like Austin's definitely up there. Um, 
the other thing is just like we're i mean we're a remote team right now so like technically our office is in pittsburgh right now oh yeah <laughs> still <Nice. laughs> um so i don't like it's one of those things where i don't really want to uh like move or deal with any of that until after we raise again and then i'll set up an office here and everything i do want to have like a, a hq in austin I want a cool place where we can do podcasts like this, mm -hmm. events at, all of that stuff. I yeah. think it can be massive. I think it could be extremely helpful for just like us and the brand and everything. But I think any company now can leverage how quickly Austin's growing with their own, with themselves. Um, the tricky thing is, yeah, I mean, you need a little bit of cash to like get a good place here yeah. and all of that, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's the only thing, but I think, uh, compared to other cities, Austin's like doing very well. Totally. Yeah. You know, it's, it's actually interesting. You just said there, I feel like recently it's been so much about how work from home is the new business model and, you know, cut down on your overhead expenses. But there's definitely some benefits to having a tangible office space, right? Like just a physical presence where you can host events, have podcasts. Um, and somehow I feel like that's been swept under the rug somehow. But certainly totally. the all of your commentary on Austin, I think Sam and I, safe to say, resonate with. Yeah. Very yeah. exciting to be in a dynamic, evolving place like Austin, whereas New York and the Bay Area are so established. Um, and no disrespect towards those venture capital hubs, but Austin feels like there's a lot more potential. Yeah. Um, for sure. And you can get money anywhere. Like you don't need to be in the Bay Area necessarily to get money. If you have a great business and you're out there and you're putting yourself out there, people will find you. Investors will find you. Right. Like if you have a good business, you have a good product, like they will find you 100%. Um, like the thing is there's just not that many exceptional businesses, right? Mm -hmm. It's they're, – they're hard to come by. Right. Um, so – I don't think you necessarily need to be in hub, but yeah, the majority of the money is still in the Bay. Definitely. It's that's where all the cash is. Like if you're fundraising, going there for like six months isn't a bad idea. Right. Having you a few I mean? entre events there. <laughs> exactly. The right people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And there's a lot of pros and cons having a, a remote team. You know what I mean? I think like it depends on the type of uh, team too. Like right now we have a lot of developers um, and a lot of developers like working remote. Right. They yeah. are, they're mostly introverted. Right. They're like, just tell me what I need to do. I don't care. I don't not want to go into an office. I don't want to dress up. I don't want to commute. No. They're, they're cool, chilling. It's true, yeah. And, uh, but I do think for, you know, your, the product team, operations team, events, community team, mm -hmm. all of that stuff, content team, like, yeah, get those people in the same room, right? Yeah. Get like a core, get like the core team in an office, you know, pushing the vision in the direction of the company forward and interacting with the local community, I think can, can be a huge benefit. Totally. Yeah. If you're public facing investor facing and Sam and I've talked about this before, definitely being in the office, you know, building that camaraderie with the team is, is pretty crucial to the team's success and culture really. Yeah. Um, moving on, would love to hear about some of the biggest challenges that Entra has faced in its tenure. And, uh, also, what what's the competition like? We've already mentioned some of the bigger players, right? LinkedIn, sure. Facebook. I imagine there's also some smaller scale, you know, similar type competitors. I know event organizing has gotten extremely popular lately, especially in like the post COVID sure. kind of world we're living in. Um, so I know that was a long winded question, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I'll start with the challenges first, right? So I I 
break it down where there's there's really like four key things that like every startup really kind of needs and like we've had challenges in all of them right and you kind of have to just like work through them so first is capital right you either need it from investors or revenue so like early on it was you know bootstrapping making money from events and trying to figure out how to pay everybody (laughs) you know what i mean the second is you know the product right is is the product good enough for people to use it and come back right Mm -hmm. and it's hard to build a good product right that is different than everything else that's out there the third is marketing right distribution if you don't have anyone no if no one knows about the product or their service or whatever then you got nothing right so you have to have distribution and arguably distribution in today's world is one of the most important things mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people are investing in the content creators and you see a lot of the new big businesses or fast-growing businesses are started by content creators is because they already have the market done mm-hmm. then they can just build a decent product or a pretty good product and the capital is easy they'll be able to raise money easy totally. mm-hmm. and the fourth is the team so you have to have a team. You could have all three of those. And if your team sucks, or there's team conflicts or your investors have board seats and they mess up everything, then you're going to be in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, there's I we've had challenges with all of those. You have to just like work through them and, you know, figure out what you like, figure out the things that the little things that you can do uh, so that you can keep improving on those four right obviously making sure that you have enough capital to stay in business like right. that's the main goal is to just yeah. stay in business keep right. staying in business <laughs> things will work out right it's, <laughs> it's like you're only as strong as your weakest link right it feels like all four of those are so imperative like if one it's, fails then the whole thing kind of gets pulled down yeah uh, so it's balancing. tough to keep them all and that's the thing like most startups they might have two right right but it's like you know it's hard to have all four but that's what i've seen and that's what I've learned too from other, you know, people that it's like those are the four like pillars. Yeah. If you don't have the, you don't have like that's that's really it. Um, and then competition wise, right? Like what's out there right now, um, you know, it's spread out, right? It's kind of fragmented. So LinkedIn is obviously the juggernaut, right? Mm-hmm. They're the big one. But then it's like, okay, what's the, what are the platforms that the next generation workforce is using right now like what are the college kids using like what are the people that just graduated college using what are the people that are doing a podcast or doing a side hustle or trying to start do a startup like what are they using Mm -hmm. like when they're starting their companies what are they how are they making their first dollar how are they you know what platforms are they using to go to events and what features do they have so all of these things, right? And it's it, it that breaks down into a couple of different categories. You have the social layer, which is a lot of, you know, I would say current and or relatively like successful professionals, founders and investors are mostly using Twitter and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I would say the younger kids that are just kind of getting their feet wet, they're still mostly on Instagram and TikTok right. and whatnot. Yeah. Right. And YouTube, like YouTube's a big one. Mm-hmm. That's where they go to learn. So, and now shorts is doing really well as well. Mm-hmm. So YouTube's a huge one. Um, so it's that, it's that social layer is that first thing like social apps. Right. 
Then you have kind of like the software layer. It's like, okay, what, what software are they using? Well, they're using Zoom and Google Meet to do all their meetings. Like maybe Microsoft Teams, but mostly yep. that's just corporate and it's completely <laughs> trash. Not. It's, the worst, it's the worst product I've ever used in my life. Like, I, I agree. It's I'm so team bad. Slack. Um, if I gotta pick one. So then, you, yeah. So then you have uh, uh, then you have Slack and Discord, right, for team communication. Mm-hmm. The tricky part about uh, Slack, especially, is that even startups like my, even like us, we don't pay for. Uh, Slack, like we're still doing the free. Oh yeah, and it sucks. But it's one of those things that if we did pay, it'd be I think like two hundred fifty, three hundred bucks a month. Which like you can justify that it's worth it. But we're about to move over to our own platform, mm-hmm. and our cost is going to be zero, right? And we have video conferencing built in, so we don't have to pay for Zoom either, right? Smart. So some companies though they have to pay for well. Even if the company is paying for Slack, they also still pay for Zoom primarily, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Because they still do external meetings with Zoom or Google Meet. So they're still paying for some video conferencing app, right? Whereas here you can do external and set up the private like team, uh, like basically the equivalent to Slack. Um, the other tricky part about Slack and Discord for communities Right, if you're doing a community, there's no discoverability. Hmm. Like you have to drive all the people there yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not like Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups or whatever, where you can search and find and they recommend groups and stuff for you to join. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all very siloed. So we have a whole now section on our platform that's just for communities that you can search and find and we recommend communities for people to join. Um, and that's going to be a huge part of, of our platform. Um, and then you can do in-person and virtual events as well. So we have event ticketing and all of that built in as well. Wow. Very, it's exciting. Very comprehensive. Yeah. The, the future, it seems like there's so many different ways you can take this. And I'm curious how yeah. that, <laughs> well, how are you thinking about it now? But also I'm also like really curious how you envisioned it when you were first getting this going, say five years ago, like how how different is it now than you could have ever imagine, imagined? Yeah, I mean, I think initially it was, you know, a social network for entrepreneurs, right? That was the whole thing. Um, the tricky thing now, and the tricky thing just with that in general is I didn't realize that the more successful you get as an entrepreneur, the less networking you want to do. <laughs> Meaning that, like, you value your time more Right. You don't want to go to free public events. Like, I don't want to go to freaking, like, whatever event. Yeah. Like, I want to know who I'm meeting, right? Um, another reason why some of the, like, other uh, platforms, like, I don't know if you're familiar with, like, Lunch Club. Mm-hmm. And they did, like, meeting. You could, like, basically, like, sign up to meet with people every yeah. week. Um, and they raised, I think, like, $40 million. Wow. Um, or 30 million. And, um, during the pandemic, like they were, they launched before the pandemic and I was using, it, it was in-person meetings you could sign up for. And early on they had high quality people on there and then the pandemic hit and they did it virtually. And that's when they raised like $25 million round or whatever. But then the more people you get on, the lower the quality gets. Yeah. And then no one wants to use it cause 
you're getting a meeting with Joe Blow who's just trying to like sell you on something. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's same a, thing that happened with Clubhouse, right? Like I got on Clubhouse early. I grew one of the biggest clubs on Clubhouse. I knew all the top clubs and I was doing a bunch of stuff on there and it was great. But then I knew as soon as they started opening it up, the same thing was going to happen. It's just a, you know, the more people you get onto a platform that's very open like that, um, or the real core value of it was the networking and the exclusivity. Like that was the only value of Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Like that was it. Like everyone that I know would have paid for Clubhouse early on. They would have paid maybe even 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks mm-hmm. a month because it was just such top tier networking. It was the best networking, professional networking that was ever created. And they were trying to make it a social audio platform. Mm-hmm. Like they could have crushed LinkedIn, hmm. like if they did it right. But they were not trying to build that. They were trying to build a social new social audio mm-hmm. platform that was massive and had millions and millions of users and all sorts of stuff. Versus if they just kept it super exclusive, super tight, if they just did a paid uh, subscription with it and then built out more profiles and let you add your resume and shit, they would have, they would have crushed, uh, they would have crushed it. And I was glad that they didn't. The tricky part for a platform like us is like Mm -hmm. getting those, you know, ultra successful people on early. Like you're not just going to get Andreessen Horowitz and all their friends and Zuckerberg and, Elon Musk to, to join your app, <laughs> yeah. right? When you have a thousand users, right? That's like really hard to do. So we have to approach it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And for us, the our value is not that it's exclusive. Our value is that it is open and you can find who you are looking for a lot easier, right? So I think there's, there's good sides of both. If you're right. doing exclusive, you just have to, if you're doing like small and like narrow uh, or exclusive, you just have to, the price point has to be way higher. Right. Yeah. I feel like, you know, exclusive only stays exclusive for so long, right? It's really difficult to maintain that yeah. quality of product, but also you want to grow and be able to continue growing revenue, right? So it's definitely a tricky balance to strike there. Yeah. Um, you've already mentioned it a little bit, but I want to ask you about your general thoughts about fundraising and kind of what your plans are for the horizon, both in terms of fundraising and also just exciting new plans for Entra in general. Yeah, for sure. So right now, I mean, like this year, our our main focus is communities, right? We believe that there's a huge gap in professional communities. No one uses LinkedIn groups. Like I mentioned, Slack is very like private and more for teams. And then Discord is, it's rel- it's kind of public. There's not really discoverability in the platform, um, but it's a lot of fake names, fake profiles, NFT pictures, you know, random yeah. nonsense. It's not professional at all, really. And it's like mostly people associate it, if they even know what it is, with gaming and like Web3 you know, yeah. crypto stuff basically exactly what about like reddit where does reddit fit into all yeah this? i mean reddit's this reddit's such an interesting platform mm-hmm. it's like so weird but has such like a strong core user base yeah. that has been using it for 
I don't even know, probably like 10 years right. at this point. And that's like um, a premier community builder, right? Like all the sub communities and niches yeah. and genres. Yeah, for sure. The thing with that is like, is posting the best way to communicate and manage a community, right? So from like the polling that we've done and talking to people and, you know, everything over the last like year, it's, we, we've seen most people tend to like how Slack and Discord is like organized, mm-hmm. meaning you have channels, you can have public, private, you know, announcement channels with different preferences or permissions, right? And then people can chat, right? They can drop links, questions, all that stuff. And it's a lot easier and faster to communicate back and forth rather than a post and then comments under the post and everything else. So for us, like how we've broken it down is we have a like post section, um, but those posts can also go out into the, the, the main feed as well. Hmm. So you can, we separate posts within the community from the channels. So you, we kind of have both sections where you can make posts. You could have those posts just be visible for your community or publicly available and go out to the for you page where anyone on the platform could see it. Um, and then you also have the ability to do channels and all of that. You have an, a section for just your events as well that people can sign up for right within your community. So, we're trying to blend, um, you know, kind of the functionality of Slack and Discord with the discoverability and the professional profiles of LinkedIn, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's how we've been, you know, approaching it. Um, people seem to really like it. You yeah. know, it's just like, yeah. you know, continuing to onboard. We've probably onboarded like 350 communities so far. Nice. And uh, we're publicly launching next week. So that should uh, yeah. boost everything up quite a bit. Yeah. So that's super exciting. Congrats on that early <laughs> yeah. success. And Thanks. tying that into the investment pitch yeah, yeah, yeah. and a little bit more about like your business model, which we haven't really dived into just yet. Um how do you harness the value of because clearly creating communities and you know fostering all these connections in a more efficient and engaging way is valuable but how do you harness that value how how do you pitch that to investors yeah for sure i mean the the community um like interactions and stuff like and just communities in general is a very sticky thing right like if people are in a like just like reddit like People have been going back to the same subreddit every day for years and years and years, right? So, and if people are using it for their team as well, they're going to be on it all like every day, right? So, um, it's an extremely sticky product. Plus, people are used to paying for this kind of software as well, right? Especially if they're just doing a community, um, they're going to pay for Mighty Networks or Circle or or try to build out their own custom membership site or something, mm-hmm. um, which is going to be expensive, right? And they're probably still going to need these other software tools anyway. So we're offering, I mean, it's you can do, do pretty much everything for free um, right now. Uh, you know, we do have a premium membership, which we are going to start, like we'll start grouping things from communities into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now we really just want people using it. And the whole premise anyway for like our premium subscription is to help people 
basically make money and save money. So we, we, uh, at the beginning of the year, we rolled out our in-app currency. Um, so you can support creators on live streams and on their content directly. And then soon you'll be able to basically set up a paid channel within your community charge for subscriptions for hmm. your community, as well as with events. So we're the first platform that allows for a community builder or an event organizer to monetize digital, a digital community and a digital event uh, through an app uh, on web and mobile. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, and I think that's going to intrigue a lot of people as well. Um, and like, obviously we'll take, you know, commissions and stuff from that too, but it's primarily, you know, we wanted this to be, you know, provide software and, you know, a subscription service that allows a lot of people to get the same functionality they're already using at a fraction of the price. Plus we'll make, we've made some money with ads and sponsorships and stuff. So Mm -hmm. that will obviously continue to grow as well. Mm I know, I know Brandon's gears are turning there with how we can uh, make a venture pill community on exactly. Entree. That, that would be pretty sick. <laughs> For sure. You guys definitely should. Uh, we have a lot of podcasts. Uh, Corey's doing the We Strive, yeah. we strive community. Yeah. Uh, oh, we have David Meltzer who's posting his podcast <laughs> on there too. So podcast is a, is a perfect use case for it too because the biggest thing especially for podcasts that are just starting out is how do you get your initial reach how do you get your initial audience and your community well you have to either chop up your like long form content into short form content put that on social hope that the quality of content is good enough to make people intrigued to click the link in your bio to go watch the full episode right or be uh, first into a very new market that's like fast growing. So if you were like the first chat GTP podcast, you probably got maybe some growth off of that. Mm-hmm. But you have now Lex Friedman, Ro- Rogan, they're all talking about it now too. So mm-hmm. the tricky thing is like uh, getting that initial audience and getting that, that initial like community, right? Mm-hmm. And there hasn't been like a really good platform for building that up um, and discovering it. So I think we can do uh, a lot to help podcasts, like event organizers as well. Um, and then just organizations too. Like I think a lot of companies are trying to figure out community and content now, mm-hmm. but they don't really have a good plan in place. And they're kind of just like, posting without doing much yeah and uh there's some companies that are trying to do events but at the end of the day like good recurring events like that's a community right and those people want to interact with each other not just at an event but also virtually too right digitally yeah yeah we're uh we're gonna need to talk after this talk because the the wheels are definitely turning um Love being able to ask this question when the opportunity presents itself, but with something like this, which is kind of social media, community building, right? People are interacting uh, in person and virtually. How do you address like compliance, security, things like that, right? It's, it's definitely a layer that isn't necessarily the sexiest component of a startup, but definitely imperative. Yeah. I mean, social apps are a monster to mm-hmm. deal with. Um, you have not just like content being posted, you have live streaming, you have messaging, 
Um, so there's so many variables involved, right? right? And um, for us, we kind of, I mean, we're pretty strict on like the content. So like we're building this as an apolitical platform. So anything related to politics, we just remove. Like we'll hmm. we'll give you a warning, whatever. Communities, same thing. Like no political communities, no religious communities, nothing that would be um, like considered even like a like a societal issue. Like <laughs> we want this to be professional. We want this to be about business, personal development, personal development, health and wellness. Right. If it's outside of that, like. We don't, there's plenty of other places to post that. No. Totally, yeah. So, like, during COVID and stuff, too, and all these things, like, a lot of people were actually appreciative to have something that was, like, yeah. there wasn't, like, that going on. Right. Like, now, a lot, of, almost every social media app is polarized by political content. Totally. And um, that's just not our game. Yeah. You know, so I think that will also drive like that will also be, I think, a big differentiator for us in the long term, too, is just like, you know, we we want to be relatively strict about that. But, yeah, I mean, just the privacy, security, all of that stuff. It's like it's tricky because you need some governance. Right. You need the thing is like you just have to trust that the people who are moderating it are like doing it for the best intentions. Right. Right. And that's very hard to do right now. Um, as we like grow, we want to do more community moderation, right. Where people can like, you kind of have a score. People can report you, flag you, flag your content, flag your messages. And it's more based off of like, kind of like, uh, the value that you're adding to the community. So it's like a, we basically have an internal point system. So like if you're getting upvotes on your comments or your content, if people are supporting you and giving you coins, right, you're attending events and you're doing all these things. Well, you're, there's not too many negative, you know, points there. Mm -hmm. Right. But if people are reporting your profile, flagging your account, flagging your content, right. All of that stuff, then it's relatively easy to see who the bad actors are. The tricky thing is just making sure that people aren't doing it again for some sort of an agenda. But when, if we take out the politics completely, then it's really easy. Right. Actually. Yeah. Um, there's not too many bad actors besides just the people who are trying to like sell like Bitcoin and Forex and <laughs> all the other, you know, yeah. stuff. Like yeah. it's just that, you yeah. know? So, um, outside of that, yeah, it's, it's not too bad. But, yeah, bots and all that stuff is sucks. Yeah, that's like an ongoing war, right? <laughs> but I like, I like that lane you chose because Twitter, as much utility as it has, definitely feels very polarizing and political, especially a couple of years ago, like COVID and all yeah. the political stuff that was going on at the time. Yeah. Whereas Reddit, you know, it's basically the deep, dark web. I mean, like, there's, like, Anything no, goes. I mean, they, I know that they try to moderate and govern, but, like, it's just, like, I guess there's too many people posting, and it's just, like... Well, the thing about Reddit is they leave it up to the communities. Right. So, they leave it up to the subreddits, basically. So, which I, I think is cool, right? And that's kind of how we, like, our goal is to give the communities 
the tools to moderate and like create their own thing. Mm-hmm. It's like as long as it's not like against the community guidelines, like do whatever you want. You know what I mean? And like, but you're in charge of kind of kicking people out and right. deleting yeah. content. Um, do you know what I mean? So like, we'll we'll try our best to do that stuff. But yeah, I think that's why Reddit is like so, just like open is like it's really just they leave it up to the com- the subreddits, mm-hmm. and then they make their own rules. Right. Right. Well, Michael, I think um, shifting gears to kind of wrap up the episode here, we always yeah. like to ask a little bit, and I think you're you're the as good a guy as ever to ask, what's some good advice for someone who's looking to get into the world of startups, whether they want to found a company, join a company, or invest in them? Yeah. Um, I just realized I missed your one question about fundraising. So we're going to be raising after the yeah. after we launch communities. <laughs> um, and yeah, that will be our Series A. So Okay. We'll, awesome. Yeah. But <laughs> anyways, um, yeah. So advice. I think the biggest thing... I think there's two things, right? Like if you're just starting out, there's you you need different advice than if you're like if you have something going. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just starting out and you're trying to get into tech or entrepreneurship, like I wish I worked at a startup first. Like to be, to be honest, I'm like I wish I stayed at my uh, civil engineering job longer and stacked more cash, and then or just quit that and then or like just quit that and found a job at, at a startup mm-hmm. because it's a it's a such a different game like tech and startups is like baseball and then like like normal just like on online business small business is like football it's like Mm -hmm. a different game different players like you have to know like vcs angel investors like there's so many different words terminology there's a style to how you have to play the game um Mm -hmm. like it's so different and you're never going to know that stuff unless you like work at a startup basically that's the only real way or you go to a very like tech startup school like Stanford or something mm-hmm. but like not many people get into that so i wish i did that 100% um before just jumping into it like cold that would have saved me a lot of time and money probably um so that would be that for people who are already kind of or like they're already in tech and starting their thing or they have something like you have to you have to really try to focus as much as you can on like what are the things that you're doing well um how how you can be how you can win at that game right so like for us now it's like how like we think that we can be the best professional communities platform right like that's what we think the way we can win at i don't think we can be better than zoom at video conferencing right i don't Mm -hmm. think we're gonna be better at like team communication than slack for a while like we're not gonna be a better like content platform than like twitter and youtube and whatever we're not gonna be better at jobs and all that stuff as linkedin but linkedin groups suck Mm -hmm. right slack and discord like there's there's problems everywhere in that Mm -hmm. and we can really own that piece um we have other things obviously intertwined with it but that's what we're really diving deep into now and i think it's you want kind of want to play the games that you can win at Mm -hmm. um 
Otherwise, you're just going to be like competing. Treading water. Big, yeah, yeah, it's just – it's kind of like the uh, the book, The Blue Ocean Strategy, right? Like you don't want to be in the bloody water. Like you don't want to play the content game with all these big players mm-hmm. unless you have a shit ton of money and a shit ton of super high-level content creators that you already have in your back pocket that are willing to come over because – a lot of people don't know that TikTok spent billions of dollars on ads to get people to go over to TikTok in like 2019, 2020, right? They're doing the same thing right now for Lemonade. They're, but they're leveraging TikTok, mm. their own platform, right. so they can spend way less money. It's just themselves. But it's the same thing. Like you, you need, like, if you're going to play that game, same with like TV streaming, like, to enter the streaming game now, like you got to have crazy cash and like crazy good content. So um, I think it's just important that you understand like what game you're playing and that you think that you can win that game. Um, so that, that's all I would say. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great advice. And I think, you know, it's so easy to get distracted, swept up by everything else and staying focused on one yeah. lane. That, you know, while other things may be more appealing for whatever reason, like staying focused is a challenge in and of, in and of itself. Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of shiny objects out there. I think <laughs> as entrepreneurs, you, you have to look at them. Yeah. Like you have to look. You should research, identify which ones, like, could be important for you um, or could impact or move you faster along. Right, because like for us, if we didn't integrate like Web three functionality when it was hot, like we wouldn't have raised our seed round probably. Mm-hmm. Like that was our big like differentiator, um, because people were calling us kind of like the Web three LinkedIn, like the Web three professional network, which mm-hmm. we we are in a sense because we have that. Uh, we are like more inclusive to that community, but it was a decision that we made not to go fully web three and blockchain as well which like also now has saved us from yeah not being stuck down in that in that path right so you have to it's a careful balancing yeah, act yeah. the whole time 100 <laughs> percent. yeah you gotta the thing for us is like web three sure like it's tech it's community like you know we should have we should have that we should be accessible to the future of finance and all of that stuff like that's great for people to talk about and meet about and have events on and content but having it just be that i don't think is a good thing right because then you you lose track of reality in a lot of ways yeah (laughs) (laughs) no totally i uh actually on that note want to get a little philosophical with you here. Uh, the philosophical statement is a simple one. The grass is always greener. Um, and I think yeah. in it's human nature to glorify being a founder, being your own boss, right? Like you said, six months out of your civil engineering, you wanted to be your own boss, essentially. Sam and I feel the same way, and we enjoy the podcast because we can kind of be our own boss, right? Um, but once you are your own boss, I think you realize this whole new net of problems or you know just a new scenario like okay you can check off being your own boss but now by doing that you've created this whole new (laughs) world of potential stress right so with that long intro what are some things 
about being a founder that are contrary to the mainstream perception of being a founder? Yeah, I mean, I would say, so you're exactly right. I tell people all the time, I'm like, look, tech, if you want to build a tech company, you're not going to be like your own boss necessarily. Like, unless you own the majority of the, the share company yourself and you're the only board member, which if you have any successful company is not the case. Yeah, yeah that's rare. So if you don't have those two things, you're not your own boss. You have to report to people, right? All of that is laid out, right? So like you're the CEO, but <laughs> you're not your own boss necessarily. Right. Um, so I tell people, if you want to be your own boss and be like fully independent, do whatever, do whatever you want, start a lifestyle business, do coaching, consulting, online business, e-com, whatever, mm-hmm. right? That you can be your own boss, sure. But if you want to be do a tech company, it's a different game, right? Totally. Like going back to the point yeah. earlier, yeah. it's a different game, yeah. right? And like I work for my team. Like I, I'm working for them. Like I'm making sure that they have everything they need, they know what they need to do, and that we have enough cash and marketing, products, all that's good, right? I mean, I think um, it's it's one of those things where I've learned, like early on I was working so much and it was just like not, like I wasn't productive, I wasn't like super healthy, I was just like mm-hmm. working, like cause I thought I had to just work. Right. And like, yes, you have to work hard, but at the same time like, if you have a good team, you set things up right, like you can get everything you need done like in a normal work day, right? So now like my thing is, as long as I know I'm putting like 10 to 12 hours a day, Monday through Friday, a little bit here on the weekends or whatever, like I'm good. Like I don't, I do not need to work more than that. Mm -hmm. And if I do work more than that, then I'm not probably gonna be productive with it. Um, And I think a lot of people work for the sake of working Mm -hmm. instead of trying to be like trying to optimize their time and trying to be effective with their time Mm -hmm. and like delegate and actually do things that is actually going to move the ball forward. Um, Because I think a lot of people just like the idea of working and like staying busy and thinking that they're working. So um, I, I tell most people like you can build like a startup while working a job like the early days you act there's not that much to do like it's hard to really do that much Mm -hmm. like because it just takes so long like it's so like i've been doing basically the same thing for like five years and it feels like i'm just getting started still (laughs) you know what i mean and it's like and it's just like making sure that when you're signing up for it, that you're like, all right, like I'm going to do this and I'm just going to figure this out. Like I'm going on this journey and I'm going to figure it out. And like, yeah, the best advice that I've gotten is like, you know, you just have to stay in business, like stay in business. Mm-hmm. That, that's the game. Like if you're actually in it, a lot of people do tech companies they're just in it to raise money and whatever, see if they can do something and then start another company or go back to a corporate job or whatever. Um, but like when I started this, I was like, oh, I'm in this. Like I'm not not doing this. I'm doing this until 
like something happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think, um, yeah, I mean, there's different approaches, but yeah, that's, that's how I like went for it. And I think a lot of people should look at it when they're first starting. Yeah, it's certainly commendable, right? I mean, like you said, not everybody's in it for the same reasons, but this seemingly is, is your baby that you've grown and it's been, it's been awesome to hear about it and the growth journey that, that Entra has had and seemingly hopefully a, an inflection point for the company as you guys raise the Series A over, later this year, you said? Yeah, so I'll probably start fundraising in like, I don't know, probably June, July-ish. Mm-hmm. It depends on like how long, you know, like, you know, things go, but we're already having conversations. Like, yeah. You're like one you're of the talking to investors all the time. Yeah, you're one of the most so uniquely like, <laughs> positioned founders in the middle of the community of founders and investors. So yeah, so it's yeah, you, you know, you, you're always giving updates and talking to people and stuff. Yeah, but like the numbers have to speak for themselves too. Mm-hmm. Like and especially the growth rate is like a very important thing for investors mm-hmm. um, and consistent growth. So that's like very important and that will all be probably double what we have right now in you know the next month or two exciting exciting stuff yeah um well with that i think we'll wrap up this week's dose um thanks for coming on michael what's the best way for people to connect with you if they want to learn more or just you know get in touch i guess follow along on the journey yeah follow along yeah for sure i mean uh definitely follow me on entra uh, for <laughs> sure uh you'll get like a auto message from me when you join. Yeah. I, I if you respond i see all of those and reply to them and stuff but on like instagram twitter all of that it's just michael w mara and uh doing some tiktok stuff too so yeah <laughs> nice. and sully's been helping you guys out with some yeah yeah sully does Sully does some content for us nice. and yeah, we'll probably get out and start doing some street interviews again. That was, those were fun. Oh yeah, you guys should have considered doing those too. We actually. did. We did some for South. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah we yeah, did. Actually, oh, did. I think I saw that. Yeah, we yeah. did. Sully and Sully grabbed the mic from me and started <laughs> oh, yeah. interviewing me, and he was dead. He started good. interviewing Brandon. <laughs> he was. He was really good. At it too. That's great. He, he really does it all. Yeah, the street interviews are fun, man. They're a good time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll have to get back out there another time. But yeah. at least every South by it was just it was it was a fun. Fun, great way fun to meet experience. people, right? You're like in face to face with them, so you're like, "Hey, follow this, please." Like, yeah, you, yeah. Can, you know, yeah. get that call to action a little stronger than it is virtually, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. But uh, yeah, we'll have to do this a year from now or whatever, and do a check in with Antra. Hundred percent. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for coming on, man. Of course. Great to meet Thanks, you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another dose of startups and venture capital. And as always, we appreciate our pilgrims spreading the word about the show. Share with your friends and help someone else make the pilgrimage. See you next time. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low-key, okie-dokie, that's alright, but wait, I don't know how to do it.